Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. This message is from the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and was preached on July 31st, 2022. We're in our study of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. And I want to start with a strong statement, so listen carefully. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. That's the opening words of a book I read as a teenager. You can tell I've had it for a while. The uh, uh, cost of this book when I bought it in the 70s was $2.95. Knowing me, you can call me either cheap or frugal, I bought it used at a bookstore when I was going to school. But listen to those opening words. It's in The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And I'll tell you more about him later in the worship service. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. I'll mention Dietrich later. But as you may know, he didn't just write it and believe it and preach it. He lived it and he died young because he believed it. And that word, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die, is based on passages like the one we're going to read today. And so I want you to pay closely attention to to today's reading. It's a great passage, a pivotal passage in the Gospel of Luke, maybe even other than the crucifixion and the resurrection, it's the centerpiece of the Gospel of Luke. So think deeply about it while we read it and while I speak. Last week, we saw how Jesus trained his disciples, and in this passage, he's continuing that training by asking and then answering two very important questions. Who do people say that I am, and who do you say that I am? And then he went on to share, and this is what I want from you. So as we study today, as I preach, as you think, as you pray, as you talk to God, and then as we close, I want you to be able to answer two questions for yourself. Who is Jesus? And what does he want from me? I really want you to be able to answer those two questions in a very strong way. Our passage is Luke 9, verses 18 through 36. Let's stand together as we read this important passage. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? And Peter answered, God's Messiah. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone, and he said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. And if you memorize, that's a great verse to memorize. 
Then he said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. You may be seated. As you can tell, this is a very important passage. It includes the who do people say that I am question, who do you say that I am question, a great answer from Peter, the most serious call yet to discipleship given by Jesus, and an event called the Transfiguration in which Jesus was revealed before three disciples as who he really is, the Son of God. So I want to kind of just break it down and get you to think about it as we go through the the passage. And we're going to start with the question, or really the questions of Jesus. And the first, in verses 18 through 20, was the question, who do people say that I am? What are other people saying about me? Now, as we've seen already, the disciples had already talked about this. They had heard Jesus preach, they had seen him heal, they had seen him cast out demons, they had seen him raise the dead, they had seen him calm the storm, and they began to ask among themselves, who is he? Who is this man who can do these things? And what Jesus did is bring out their thoughts into the open. What do others say? What are you hearing? You guys talk to a lot of people, and you talk among themselves. What are you hearing about me? And they answered, well, honestly, Jesus, some people have you mixed up with John the Baptist. Some think you are Elijah, who never died. And some think you are one of the prophets who has come back from the dead. Everybody is talking and asking, who is he? And then Jesus asked the important question, who do you say that I am? 
And Peter, the bold one, most likely speaking for the group, this is the conclusion they had come to, said, you are God's Messiah. Now you can check parallel passages and say that in other passages it was recorded with with, um, Peter saying it even more strongly. But just start with that. You are God's Messiah. Messiah is a Hebrew word meaning the anointed or chosen one. And Jews looked for a Messiah. They waited for a Messiah. They anticipated a Messiah, much as we anticipate the second coming. The promised Messiah, they thought, would save the people and the nation. Now, their understanding wasn't 100% complete, but they knew that the Messiah was coming. And Peter said, this is the conclusion we have come to. You're the one. You're the Messiah. You're the one that God had promised. You're not just a great teacher. You're not just another rabbi. You're not just a powerful man who can heal and cast out demons. You are the chosen one of God. Now listen, I I want to do a little teaching on this point. That's a question and an answer that the church needs to focus on in the world. We talk about a lot of big issues in the church. Homosexuality, abortion, climate, racism, guns, gender, why the Raiders will be the 2023 Super Bowl champions. I mean, we talk about all kinds of important things, but we don't talk as much as we should about the most important question. Is there a God? What is he like? And is Jesus his son? Now, I'm not saying don't talk about the issues. What I'm saying is we need to be out there on the streets talking about the most important issues. I don't want the world to know where we stand on abortion and homosexuality and climate and guns and gender and miss what we believe about Jesus. He is God's Messiah. He is God's Son. He came from heaven. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. He rose again. He's alive today. And everything else that we believe about all the other issues flows from what we believe about God and Jesus. So in our talking, don't stop with those issues as important as they may be. Take it like Jesus did to the next issue Who do you believe Jesus is? What do you believe about God? What is he like? So listen, bring it up. People think about deep and important issues. And I know sometimes we have a hard time. You know, how do you start a spiritual conversation with someone? Do what Jesus did with his disciples. Hey, this is important to me. I want to know what you think. Who do you think Jesus is? And then listen for the answer. And most people, if you honestly listen to their answer, and don't prejudge them and don't put them down, but you listen, are going to listen to what you say. Well, this is what I believe about Jesus. And that's the crux of the issue that we need to get to. If we convince them on every other issue that we're right, but we don't tell them about Jesus, what are they going to say before God on Judgment Day? 
Well, I know what the church thinks about abortion. I know what the church thinks about homosexuality. I know what the church thinks about gun. I know what the church thinks about the border. I know what the church thinks about climate. But they never really told me what they think about Jesus. That's the important question. And that's what Jesus asked his disciples. And that's our ultimate task and priority. I have very strong opinions on every other issue that I mentioned, but the most important issue is I believe there is a God. He loves us. Jesus is his son. He died for us. He rose again, and he wants us to follow him. That's the gospel of Jesus, and that, not the secondary issue, needs to be the focus of our talk. If they believe those things, then we can show them, now that you believe those things, here's how we get to these secondary issues and how we put that all together. But if they don't believe the important thing, we have missed the whole point of the Great Commission to share Jesus. So the question of Jesus with his disciples, and it began this conversation, who do people say that I am? And then, who do you think that I am? And by the way, you see where I'm headed. That's one of my practical applications. I want you to answer that in your heart and soul and mind before you leave today. Who do you say Jesus is? So that's the questions of Jesus. Now, briefly, I want us to look at the explanation of Jesus. Because then he answered his disciples, essentially, hey, I'm not ready yet for you to go and preach this, so don't tell anyone yet. Because there's much more to my story. He said, I will suffer greatly. I'll be rejected by the elders, the priests, and the teachers of the law. I will be killed, and on the third day, I will come back from the grave. Then, when you know the story and can share it, then your commission will be to go into the world and tell the truth. And by the way, everything that Jesus said to his disciples came true in the coming years. He was rejected by almost all classes of Jewish leaders, even if many crowds did follow him. He was crucified, and he came out of the grave alive on the third day. Everything he said that's going to happen, he warned his disciples ahead of time. You know, this is not all great. I'm the Messiah, and I'm going to declare myself, and I'm going to become the king and the ruler, and people are going to bow down and and worship me. He said, I want you to know the whole story. People are going to reject me. I'm going to die. I'm going to come back. Then, go tell the world the truth. So the question, and then the explanation by Jesus, and the third thing I want to point out is the call of Jesus. Now listen, these verses that Jesus gave, these commands, this teaching that he gave his disciples, and I believe applies to all disciples, is the clearest statement by Jesus of what he wants from his disciples. So listen carefully again as I read it. Verse 23, whoever wants to be my disciple, and I'll tell you, that includes me and I hope it includes you, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self or very soul, as King James says? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of his holy angels." That's an incredibly strong statement. Much deeper than believe in me, come to church, 
Say yes. Be baptized. Join a church. So don't downplay it. Because understand what he was saying. And I'll use Peter as the example. Because this was a conversation with Peter. Listen, Peter, at the beginning, you didn't know who I was. So I just said, come follow me. And you did. But now that you know who I am, let me clarify what I'm asking. I want you to say no to Peter and yes to Jesus. Deny yourself. I want you to take up your cross, which is an instrument of death that was used against Jesus. I want you to take up your cross and follow me, Peter, even to death. If you're more concerned with your personal safety than with discipleship, you have missed the whole point. If your focus is on money and fame and success, you may get all three. But you will find out that you've missed out on following me. If you're so ashamed of me that you stay quiet and say, Jesus who? Then I will say, Peter who? When you stand before the Father. He's, he's making it clear. This is a strong statement. Don't downplay it. It's all or nothing, Peter. You're in or you're out. There's no maybe. There's no part way. There's no half way. I'm not to be an addendum to your life. I want to be your life. And th there's no way that we can soften that. If you want to be my disciple, deny yourself and follow me. So you can see how Dietrich Bonhoeffer could say, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And by the way, he lived that. He wrote that. He preached that. This is in the 1930s and 1940s. He stood up for Jesus. He denounced Hitler and his hatred. He called others to do the same. He actively worked against Hitler. He was arrested by the Gestapo and he was hung at the age of 39. His last words, as recorded by a member of the British Royal Air Force who was in prison with him, who two weeks later was freed by the Allies, said his last words were these, this is the end, but for me, it's the beginning of life. A man who did exactly what Jesus said, took up his cross followed Jesus when it was not popular, when it was against the flow of his country and even history, denounced hatred and racism to a great degree, said Hitler was wrong, worked against him, and knew that it was coming, but failed to leave Germany. As a matter of fact, he had come to the United States for a month and then said, no, Jesus has called me to the German people. I'm going back. And he died for Jesus. That's a disciple. 
And that's the call of Jesus. And we need to understand it today. It's not just join a church and give some money and say amen and sit in a pew. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. He may or may not have to die for his faith. But he must be willing. That's the call of Jesus. Beyond believe in me, beyond even follow me. That's what Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple. Now, number four, let's look at at the demonstration of Jesus. Because now, Jesus, believing that Peter, James, and John were ready to see the truth, he took them up about eight days later on a mountain to pray. And while Jesus was praying and the disciples were getting sleepy, as happens to all of us at times and seems to be a a, a characteristic of the disciples, while Jesus was praying and the disciples were getting sleepy, they suddenly realized that something was happening right before their eyes. And Jesus was transfigured into the most glorious being they had ever seen. It says, his face changed. His clothes became white as lightning because they could not contain the glory within. And suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared. And they were talking about the coming departure, the coming death of Jesus. And it says, Peter rambled on, but Luke said he didn't really know what he was saying. He was so overwhelmed in seeing Jesus as he really was. They had known him as a great man. They had come to the conclusion that he was the Messiah. Now Jesus is being transformed before their very eyes, and God is demonstrating not just with words but with power, he is my son. He is me. And they saw for just a few moments who Jesus really was. We've not seen that with our eyes, but I hope you've got a picture of that in your heart and soul, that Jesus is not just a great man. He's God. That's the heart of what we believe. And so that's how Jesus is. He spoke the truth, but he also proved his words with actions. He spoke of loving God and people, and he showed it by how he lived. He spoke of forgiving sin. He proved it by how he lived when he died for us on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. And here, Peter said he was the Messiah, but God showed him, not just told him, yes, he's that and much more. This is God himself. And he saw it with his eyes. And the last thing I point out in this passage is the confirmation and the command by God. Jesus had spoken. He had been transfigured. And then a cloud came and enveloped them. And they were afraid because they knew this was more than just a natural air and water mixture. And God spoke. I cannot even pretend to imitate the voice of God. So you're stuck with mine. But God said, this is my son whom I love, whom I have chosen, excuse me. Listen to him. And that's the confirmation from God. 
Peter, you don't have to wonder anymore. James, John, you don't have to have questions anymore. This is my son. He is the chosen one. Jesus is much more than he appears to be as a man. He is my son. And so that was the spoken confirmation by God. And then the command, which I believe applies to all of us. Listen to him. Pay attention. He speaks truth. He knows everything. He knows how to live. He knows how to die. He knows what is best. He knows what I want. Disciples, listen to him. Listen, everybody in the world today has a message. But there is no voice that we need more than Jesus. Everybody is giving you a message. Republicans say this, Democrats say that. Doctors have a message, scientists have a message, philosophers have a message, therapists have messages, Putin has a message, as does Zelensky. Police officers and border patrol officers have a message for us, climatologists have a message for us, Economic, e economists have a message for us. Everyone has a message, but our command is to listen to Jesus. Only one message is 100% correct and authoritative and comes with the full authority of God. Everyone will tell you what to do, what to think, how to live. Our command is from God. Listen to him, to Jesus. He's where all that we believe starts. There's only one message that is 100% correct. Others have a variety of truth mixed with error. Some of them just have a 100% lies. We listen to Jesus. He's the one we say is correct. What did he say? There's my authority. What did he say? That's what I think because I know he's right. So you get this at the end of this training of the disciples, which we've seen in the entire chapter, you get this great confirmation. He's my son and the great call. Listen to him. Pay attention to him. Do what he says. So listen, as I, as I began, I, I, I asked you to answer two questions. Who is Jesus? you got to decide what you believe. What does he want from you? I shared that with you as clearly as I could. But I cannot answer the question for you. So I just have two points for you of application based on your response. Who is Jesus? What does he want from you? My answer based on the Bible, who is Jesus? He is the one and only son of God. What does he want from me? Everything. Not a little bit of my time, a little bit of my attention. He doesn't just want my Sunday morning. He wants me. That's what the Bible teaches. So your response, and this is what I'm challenging you to do. Number one, decide what you believe about Jesus. All those other issues are important, but that's the key. Is there a God? Is he real? Does he love us? Is Jesus his son? Answer those questions in your mind with full authority.
And I hope you agree with me that he is the one and only son of God. And what does he want from you? I shared that with you. So here's what I'm asking you to do. With full boldness, with 100% answer behind you, get out of the middle of the road and tell Jesus yes, or if you dare, no. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. By the way, I told you about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Peter, too. Though he was a human being and he failed Jesus several times, he too followed Jesus all the way to death. He knew what Jesus called. He said yes, without hesitation, without halfway, without partway. Who is Jesus? He is the one and only Son of God. What does he want from you? Everything. You tell him, not me. You tell him your answer. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net and you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.